It's my great pleasure to welcome you all to today's talk, uh, especially arranged for, for, for couples and parents of our Greek Orthodox community here in Sydney. And today our topic is something that is close to all of our hearts. First, our speaker will be Dr. John Sadomatis, who for most of us needs no introduction, but will say some words about Dr. John. As you know, Dr. John is president of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, a lay preacher of our Archdiocese for over at least 35 years, a GP, a family man and grandfather with, who has children even present here who are emulating his example as he has extensive experience in family matters and extensive knowledge of our Orthodox faith our Greek language, history and heritage. He is in fact ideally placed to speak to us today on the topic of our Greek Orthodox traditions, how to preserve them in Australia. And I'd like to invite Dr John to address us. Our beloved Professor Anthony, brothers and sisters in Christ, our Greek Orthodox traditions and how to best preserve them in Australia. A complex title for a rather complicated topic. I cannot recall another talk delivered by me anytime, anywhere in the past that caused me greater headache than trying to put my thoughts in order than today's talk where to start, how to begin, what to include, what to eliminate, what is important and significant, what is unimportant and superficial, what aspects of the Greek Orthodox tradition should we pay attention to and stress the eternal need for Greek Orthodox people anywhere, or which areas of that rich traditional past are not genuine and can be safely forgotten without a sense of betrayal to our unique heritage. I'm also afraid that this talk will not, just, will not do justice to such a great and important subject, not due to lack of goodwill on my part, but rather due to personal limitations and deficiencies. I cannot pretend that I know fully all genuine Greek Orthodox traditions, neither I feel confident that I keep or preserve faithfully and accurately those which are considered to be genuine and most sacred. What I can reassure you of is that I can only open my heart to you and reveal all the experiences, the recollections, the viomata, as these have been imprinted in my inner self from a very young age to present day. Unlike most of you, I was born, grew up, and finished my education, classical high school, in our motherland, in Greece. Thus, I acquired an all-rounded knowledge of both our Greek and Orthodox traditions. My own personal association with these traditions was inevitably formulated to the extent, to, or to the extent of and to the degree that these traditions were kept at that time in countryside Greece in the 50s and 60s. At this point, let us clarify and define what we mean by the word tradition. The Greek word for tradition is paradosis. 
It really means what is given to us by the previous generations. Our fathers and mothers, our grandfathers and grandmothers. It also denotes what we give to our own children and grandchildren. And to quote as Bishop Stylianos at this year's liturgy for the commencement of Sunday schools in Paramatta only a few weeks ago, he did say, what you receive, you do not change. Neither, you neither what you deliver should be less than what you received. You can enrich it, you should never make it poorer. As such, traditions are not mere habits and customs that have prevailed by chance or symptomatic coincidence. They are rather conscientious, critical choices, ways of life and thought that people, in our case the Greek people, have come to accept, to live and conform to them in the past, the present and hopefully the future. All our great institutions such as country, religion, family, culture, justice, education, etc., that have withstood the passage of centuries and have been sanctified by time constitute, in one word, our tradition. From my primary school days, the wisdom of Aesop's fables mixed with exciting stories from ancient Greek mythology entwined with the teachings of stories from the Old Testament and Jesus' miracles created the framework of a knowledge that was to take over my mind and my heart in the years to come. In early high school, I regarded in, in awe the young Spartan boys drinking the black soup of the boiled blood of wild boars and then swimming and singing at the same time in the cold streams of Eurotas River. In the main corridor wall as I entered my high school in Kithira, Greece, there was the ancient motto for all to see, Is Ionos Aristos Amineste Peripatris, the best omen is one to defend our country. Of course, all the Greek-Persian wars of the 5th century BC were the verification of that motto. From Marathon to Thermopylae, a fantastic journey of heroism. Our pre one predominant thought was slowly precipitating in my mind. Our Greek ancestors would happily die for three things that they most sacredly kept in their hearts. Evriviadis had cried out these three things for all Greeks to repeat while attacking the Persian fleet in Salamis. O pedes Elinon, ite, eleftherute patrida, eleftherute de pedas, gynekas, theonte patron, edi, thikaste progonon, nin, hyperpandon, oagon. In our language, O brave children of Greeks, come, free our country, free our children and women, keep free the altars of our gods and the tombs of your forefathers. Now we fight for all. This was the motto by which Greeks fought against all enemies. Their struggle was always to preserve what they valued most. Those three things were the motherland. Second, the religion. And third, the family. 
This was their culture. In one word, their inheritance. At that age, parallel to being exposed to our ancient Greek world, another different world was unfolding before my eyes, our Orthodox heritage. Following the stories of Jesus, his parables and his miracles, there were the numerous stories of incomparable bravery and unrivaled moral strength by the martyrs of our church. In comparison, the, Spartans boy, the Spartan boy's life was a walk in the park compared to the bravery and sacrifice, for example, of the 40 martyrs dying for Christ in the icy waters of the lake of Sebastia. Eighth, eighth centuries, about eight centuries later. You will agree, we too often speak of our classical civilization, the culture, the philosophy of our ancestors has been the bedrock of Western civilization, and we ignore the spiritual heritage embodied, for example, in Christian Byzantium. This heritage endured four centuries of Ottoman rule, it remained alive under the dim light of the oil lamp, the worn-out salta, the calm voice of the calogero, of the monk, the motto, O brave children of Greeks in Salamis, 24 centuries later is repeated, somewhat changed, but with the same effect. Yatu Christu, tim bisti tin agia, ketis patridos tin eleftheria, for the holy faith of Christ and the freedom of our motherland. Tradition and culture have many facets, but the culture of any people is especially manifested in the realm of the spirit. Hence, if the ancient Greek culture has influenced and has enlightened the generations of people through the centuries and has advanced the cause of humanity up to today, Orthodox spirituality enables people to rise to the heights of theosis and transform them into citizens of heaven. What is asked here by the Orthodox, the Orthodox arm of our heritage, it's not merely to defend a worldly city, but a call to struggle for the eternal city. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come, Hebrews 13, 14. We are indeed privileged to, have, to be the inheritors of such a rich and glorious tradition. Let us now see in some detail some of those above-mentioned traditional institutions which were given to us by our ancient forefathers, that is, before Christ, because there are some very important inferences to be drawn between the Greeks of, of classic times and the Greeks in A.D., after Christ. Firstly, we do often hear, especially in our commemorative national days, by our Australian politicians and other foreign people of note, about the contributions of our Greek heritage, the politismo, culture, the democracy, etc., to the whole world. We will hear that next week. It, it's coming. We know that. This is true. As it is true that the Greeks gave the basis for all theoretical, practical, and natural sciences to all humankind. However, there is something even greater the Greeks gave to the world. Again, quoting Archbishop Stylianos, 
the Greeks taught humanity the sacredness of the human person. They taught the stature, the measure, metron of the human person, irrespective of color, nationality, or any other racial difference. End of quote. They spoke of the ideal person, the citizen of the world, in one word, cosmopolitan, the, a citizen of cosmos of the world. Thus, this characteristic reminds us of the pangosmiotita, the universality of our tradition. This universality does not imply that people should be biologically be unified. What it was aiming at was common education and common upbringing. It was for this reason that Isocrates placed such emphasis even above the ethnological blood identity by declaring that Elinus, it is meteras pedias metehondes, meaning Greeks are those who partake in our education. Secondly, our Greek heritage of old is characterized by its religiosity. One of the most famous and commonly known passages of Plutarch goes, Every Zanepion, Polis, Atichistus, Agramatus, Avasileftus, Aicus, Achrimatus, Nomismatos, Mideomenas, Apirus, Theatron, and Gymnastirion, Anieru, the Poleos, and Atheu, Mihromenis, Efies, Midorkis, Midemandies, Midethisies, Epagathis, Udisesti, Udeste, Gegonos, Theatis. In your language, in our language, you could find in your travels cities without walls, with no letters, with no kings, in great need, with no monies, having no theater, no gym. However, an unholy city with no God, nor using any prayers, neither oaths, nor divinations, not even sacrifices for the common good, no one has ever seen. Again, I'm quoting, according to our Bishop Stilianos, this overwhelming notion of God, even in the most elementary daily vocabulary of the Greeks, is the first and the foremost idea silently implied in no relationships of life and death. It is truly unbelievable how divine our national language is, especially in comparison to other peoples. The third evident feature of the ancient Greek, as we said in the, in, before, was the family. The ancient Greek world was known for its passion to shape men into kalo kagatho, which means beautiful and a good citizen. Compassion and love, unfortunately, came second to self-interest and the absoluteness, absoluteness of their... And, 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 that absolute self-interest and the absoluteness that ruled family life. Family life was very, uh, it was in a way uh, been treated strictly by our ancient forefathers. Women were restricted to Gineconiti, a place set apart for women. Family was shaped into an isolated, hardened cell of social life. However, Ancient Greeks did cultivate social cooperation and a common responsible attitude to deal with the problems of life in the city. 
respect of the younger towards the elders was an unwritten but strictly kept law. What is most important to take from the ancient Greeks as far as family is concerned is the fact that they considered family to be the very, the very foundation of their society. At this point, let me bring Christianity into my talk. The features of Greek tradition mentioned above are not opposed to Christianity, but on the contrary are affirmed and illuminated even more by the Christian spirituality. What happens in this instance is very much what happened to the Old Testament by Christ's teaching on the Sermon of the Mount. Christ points out, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the, of the, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Matthew 5:17. Here we have an obvious example of the dynamism of our Christian tradition. Tradition here does not belong to the past, but to the present and the future. Our God is the one who is and who was and who is to come. Revelations 1.4 He changes history into divine economy. Whatever he delivers, because it is eternal, it is always new. It transcends all ancient Greek human traditions, but it does not abolish them. It rather transforms them into useful tools for the people to find fulfillment and to be led to salvation and the ultimate goal, that is theosis. This is why we believe that the marriage of Hellenism and Christianity was an act of divine providence. The fathers of the church correctly observed that Greek thought became a pedagogy into Christ. Pedagogia is Christon. This is the reason why in many monasteries in Mount Athos, the monks honored in the murals of their churches eminent figures of the Greek classical times, such as Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, etc., all among, among the saints of Christianity. The great Cappadocian fathers, St. Basil the Great, St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Gregory the Theologian, played a great role in the mixing of Hellenism with Christianity. It was these early Christian fathers who played an important role with their theory concerning the spermatic cord, word, the spermatic word, o spermaticos logos. This theory teaches that everything which is true and wise in the words and teachings of all people before Christ constitutes the sperms, the seeds of truth of the one word and God. Of course, in the words of the great philosopher Socrates, 5th century BC, we witness the most celebrated proof of the divine word being so sown to the Gentiles. In his apology before the public court of the Athenians, you know, he was condemned to death uh, with the accusation that he was introducing Kena demonia, new gods. The Athenians, he, he tells to the Athenians that you will continue your sleep in ignorance if God does not take pity on you and set, send someone to wake you from your sleep, to wake you up from your sleep. A prophet of Christ without any revelation of the true God 
from the Old Testament. Now, if we were to contrast, if we were to contrast all our traditions, to compare them and to choose the one with the greatest value, one would quickly reach the conclusion that although all are very significant and play a part in our lives, the tradition, the institution whose origin is from above, that is, from divine revelation, is vastly more sacred. And our adherence to it not only determines but also justifies our existence. Such an institution is, of course, our Orthodox Church. Our church is of vast sacredness precisely because it draws her origin and direction not from human expediences, but from God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. In the first instance, Christ is the head of the body, which is the church, Colossians 1.18. And in the second instance, the Holy Spirit grants all things and holds together the whole institution of the church, from the hymns of the Pentecost. To us, here, choosing Orthodox tradition as being by far the most important, it is easily understood and accepted, I believe. It is amazing, however, that in today's modern and postmodern world, people around us choose to ignore God, to be completely free of any tradition, free of any moral destiny and responsibility. We can only remind ourselves and anyone who cares to listen that tradition is a spiritual entity that infinitely transcends any particular individual. It is an altogether supra-personal good that we, all, that we are called to absorb and live it since our whole existence and survival depend on it. Traditions not only enlighten, but also safeguard the human person. Without them, people run the risk of either being guided by the laws of blind instinct, look at same-sex marriage, or becoming the one-dimensional man, horizontal, everything at this level, not the perpendicular dimension, not the one that joins people to God. In the most civilized form, this one-dimensional one man, in the most civilized form, become citizens of an over-consumeristic society. Or, people become either modern-day terrorists, Impostors, thieves, drug pushers or drug users, all destroyers of the human person, proving the truthfulness of Dostoevsky's remark, without God, everything is allowed. This rather bleak picture, my dear friends, is the reality of the world we live in today. We are part of it. And here, I mean the whole Western civilization as we know it today. Do we fit? Do we belong? Yes, in the physical sense. No, in the spiritual sense. That is, no, if we have remained true to our Orthodox faith. It has become now evident 
that Western Christianity, be it the Roman Catholic Church or all the many churches of the Protestant denominations, to put it simply, have lost the plot. Instead of teaching people the power of the gospel, they empower themselves with worldly power, logical arguments, humanistic philosophies, etc. And the truth of Christ has been forgotten. Hence, the spiritual bankruptcy and the complete denial nearly of all tradition and authentic Christian teaching. At the same time, in today's world, we have reached an astonishing level of scientific and technological achievements. We all agree to that. These scientific and technological achievements have widened our horizons and our intellectual capabilities. No question about it. All these seem to make life easier for us, but they do come at a price. The first victim is our own soul. Our soul does not appear to be satisfied by the creation of worldly paradises. An unhappy soul can lead to dangerous outcomes for the human person, and we witness it on a daily basis. Depression, anxiety, psychotic diseases, isolation, Loneliness, suicides. Only the enlightenment that comes from above by the uncreated energies of God to contrast Western religions with our Orthodox religion can disperse the darkness and the delusion of modern day men from being fascinated by these technological miracles. The soul of this Western world needs spiritual experiences such as those we have, we have and continue to witness over the past two to three decades in the USA with orthodoxy there continually gaining ground and acquiring new converts to the truth of our Orthodox Church. You see, our Orthodox Church does not seek the truth. Neither does it possess part of the truth as it is propagandized by modern-day ecumenism. Our Orthodox Church has all the truth. Christ lived in the world. He came to save all people. We believe that His Church, the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic Church, He founded with His own precious blood in Golgotha, remains the only true hope for today's men and His world. I feel I'm talking to the converted here. Then, isn't it obvious what we should do? To preserve, to preserve our Orthodox tradition? We live by them. How? Listen to the prophetic word of God. Therefore, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18 verses. It is obvious here 
that our Heavenly Father does not want us to pack up and go somewhere in the Simpson Desert to be by ourselves. It is what we do that separates us, differentiates us from the world around us. In the final analysis, tradition is a living reality. It cannot be taught. After all, a picture is worth 1,000 words. We partake in it. We live it. We belong to it. Here, we sense the paramount importance of exposing our children from their infancy to the traditions of our church. Going to church, lighting the candles, venerating the icons, listening to the Byzantine chant, the smell of the incense, the noise from the censer, the taste of Holy Communion, all their senses fulfilled. Then at home, the church in our house, this year's motto, the iconostasi, the lighting of the oil lamp, once more the incense, once again the Byzantine chant. Everyone here can sing Kyrie Eleison. I'm sure when our kids grow up, they will discover in the same way we did that this simple phrase constitutes the most complete and appropriate prayer. And of course, the most important tradition to be kept by all, family prayer. In the morning, before and after food, but especially before bed. It is vital for any Christian family to always be on the lookout, to point out to our children ways by which the presence of God, the presence of God fills our lives, both as families and as people, persons, individuals. Our Greek Orthodox tradition always considered the fear of God, tofovo to theou, as one of the most essential characteristics of our faith. One wonders how profound indeed in the Bible is the, sorry, is the biblical phrase from the book of the Wisdom of Solomon, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, archisophias, phobos theou. Furthermore, we should always endeavor ourselves and consequently our children of all ages to consciously realize that our Christian beliefs are not isolated and irrelevant from the rest of our daily lives. Rather, they include the whole of our person and totally and completely dominate and direct our lives. For example, we do not discuss the issue of going to church on Sundays. We simply get up and go. This is what is done on a Sunday. We do not teach fasting, we simply fast. Social events and duties, hypochreosis, can be compromised. Religious duties, never. Sporting activities, music lessons, coaching, ballet, etc., on Sunday mornings, are some of the things Orthodox families simply do not do. Sorry, but uh, as a GP, my blood boils many times when I have Greeks presenting this as being the main problems of not going to church. If anyone here is skeptical to all the above and possibly is thinking, and how, how this 
way of life can be followed without running the risk of either being ridiculed or being considered as backward and anachronistic? My answer is this. Yes, we live in a modern world. But the gospel is not modern. It is simply the truth of Christ. This is why Apostle Paul exhorts us, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Romans 12.2. Orthodoxy is a spiritual path of continual, continuing transformation. It is the way, Iodos. The liturgical life of the church has remained constant from its beginning. I know it is confronting to know that the church has remained true to her inheritance for some 2,000 years. It is liberating to know ancient Christian dogmas, ancient Christian dogmas, worships, ways of worship, and moral teachings are guiding our lives now in the 21st century as they have done for 2,000 years. There is no greater freedom than to be able to receive as our own the transcending truth that has made saints from the ancient times to today, from the first martyr, San Stephen, to the most recent, San Iacobos of Evia, a few months ago. There is no greater freedom, freedom than be able to embrace the absolute truth that transcends time, space, culture, Race, no greater joy than to be counted as belonging to Christ and having been born ourselves to the very church he founded. The church of the apostles, of the fathers, of the martyrs, of the new martyrs, of the hierarchs, of the ascetics, of the monastics, of the confessors of our faith. The list is endless. The people of this list should not be only our heroes, but also our teachers and our guides on how to live, to keep and best preserve our sacred traditions. The Sinaxaria biographies were always, always they were the most read stories among the people of the church. Their lives were, were an inexhaustible source of courage and bravery, Hence the object of imitation by the generations who followed them. Doesn't this say something to us? We should read to our little children their stories. I see in their little gadgets that they have a lot of games and a lot of stories of the, this world that we live today. I'm not sure, but surely with all this technology we should have those stories in there as well. In a way that's appealing to the children. Our youth should be exposed to them and be inspired by their feats. We, the adults, should also know more about them, promote and adopt their indomitable phronima, their spirit. I would like to finish this talk with three exhortations, three practical pieces of advice. The first one. We should learn more about our orthodoxy. Thanks to God we have an Orthodox Christian bookstore next door and an abundance of books, dogmatic, theological, lives of saints, theoretical, practical, for all ages, babies, youth, 
adults. The accurate knowledge of our Orthodox tradition will enable us to appreciate the struggles of our predecessors, to protect it. We know too well that in today's world there is no lack of enemies. Can our children confront these people and are they able to uncover their faults? We should continue to the work of our ancestors. They did. They knew how to face up to them. Second, our faith must be relevant to our lives. Our dogmas should define our morality. Orthodoxia is on orthopraxia. Right, correct faith, correct action. Or, as the fathers point out, action is the application of theory. Praxis is theorias epivasin. St. Gregory Palamas puts it slightly differently. It is good not to just have knowledge, but to have empirical knowledge. Or, as St. Maximus the Confessor says, the gnosis anef praxeos, theologia demonon. Knowledge without action is the theology of demons. Third, we need to pray as a group. Please, please pay attention to this last one. We need to pray as a group, as a family, or as an individual, for all those Orthodox missionaries, priests, monks, lay people who do missionary work under very difficult circumstances in all the continents of our planet. And on this point, what more shall I say? For the time will fail me to talk about the multifaceted missionary work that for 63 years, this, our own traditional institution, we all call Enosi, has done and continues to do for orthodoxy in Australia, Indonesia, and other parts of the world. Suffice to say, that the great majority of the people listening to this talk this afternoon are the fruit of the missionary work of this institution. Enosi has withstood the test of time and like any other authentic institution continues with God's grace to fulfill its mission on being, according to our Archbishop Stylianos, the right arm of the Archdiocese in spreading and keeping orthodoxy alive in Australia. For us here today, Sebasti Pateres, Kyrie Kathikita, Agapiti Adelphi. For us here today, preserving the highest Greek Orthodox tradition in Australia is tantamount into continuing and improving the missionary work always under the auspices of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. And if the Lord ever allows for us to be tested, and for our orthodoxy to be threatened, then the words of the 15th century monk, Joseph Vrienios. Anyone here has heard of him? Joseph Vrienios. No one? Anyone has heard of San Mark the Evgenico? Many hands up. He, Vrienius, was his spiritual father.
he said these words. We shall not deny you beloved orthodoxy. Nor shall we lie to you time honored reverence. We were born in you. We live in you. And we shall die in you. And if time shall call us, we shall sacrifice a 1,000 times our lives for you. Thank you.